it connects the deacon's liturgical function to the function of charity in the world. Absolutely. Go we're do all, we're something. We're going with out it. there now. Yeah. Welcome back to the Deacon's Den, where after our last raucous episode, I'm pleased to see that the walls are still standing. Uh, hearing from three adult daughters of deacons in our diocese really pulled back the curtain on the impacts of the diaconate on the families of deacons. And that episode provided profound insights as well as record levels of hysterical laughter. And I am looking at our producer as I say those lines. So, so Deacon Joe, we're we ready to wade into this again. What do you think? I think I've recovered from the last one. <laughs> you know, the good news about that, of course, is I have been stopped by more people who have heard that episode and have you know, said it was very moving to them, but also uh, men in formation who are requiring that their children listen to it. So I thought that was... Oh. Uh, we did something good, Joe. So uh, let, let's hope we get another win here today. It'll but be another 10 years and we'll get another. Yeah, there we go. Once a, <laughs> once a decade, whether we need it or not. For this episode, we're moving out from the backstage view of the lives of deacons to more of his public presence. Most parishioners encounter their deacons when we serve at liturgy. And even though this is one of only three ministries that the deacon fulfills in the community, it is generally the most visible. So today, we're going to focus on the deacon's role at Mass, what functions are proper for a deacon to perform at Mass, and even more importantly, why does the deacon do what the deacon does? So to aid us in our discussion today, Deacon Joe and I have invited the Director of Liturgy for the Diocese of Orlando, Mr. Bruce Croteau, and welcome, Bruce. Uh, we're glad to have you here this morning. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We'll see if he's saying that in 25 minutes. Yeah. Long time um, no see. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's kind of interesting. This is almost just a carry-on of our conversations that we have all the time. In the hallway. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So uh, we had to reach far and wide to get Bruce. He literally works right down the hall from Deacon Joe and I. But we welcome you to the den, your first, uh, first time in the den. And so we would ask you to take just a quick moment so that our visitors in the Deacon's Den today get to know you a little bit. So tell us just a little bit about yourself, and very importantly, let them know what a director of liturgy for the Diocese of Orlando does. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for bringing me to the den. I'm usually in the kitchen, so I mean that's a, uh, it's a good yeah. Get him out of the yeah, kitchen, a, get the apron off yeah, of exactly, him. He's yeah, ready to exactly. go. Okay. Uh, my career and my vocation in liturgy, and actually came from started with music, uh, which a lot of liturgists. Uh, have some sort of at least an affinity with music. Uh, many of them come from a music background or end up in a music background just because of the intimate relationship between liturgy and music. I'm originally from Springfield, Massachusetts, where I started playing in church around the time I believe I was 13 years old. Were you playing an instrument or just I was playing, playing in the church? organ? Oh, okay. Have piano. I thought he was just playing in church. <laughs> yeah, I was I playing 13 in years old. I was yeah. just playing. Threw balls or, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, playing the organ at 13 in church. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And always as a, a respond to a need, you know? There were. The, the organist was 90 years old and couldn't make it up to the choir loft anymore, you know, and they needed somebody to play benediction during Lent. So, you know, it's like, well, you play piano, can't you do it? You know, and whatever. And, and I figured out what I needed to do and started taking a little bit of organ lessons. And, and that's what happened. Ended up having my actually my first job as a music uh, director by the time I was 17. Wow. I moved down here several years ago to Orlando. Continued a career in liturgical music, been working in the diocese for 
36 years. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I feel so much better See, now. I told you I thought, this was going to be educational yeah, yeah. for me. I thought I was old. Now I understand. Okay. No, no, seriously. You're, you're He's going to be the 90-year-old on the organ here pretty soon. <laughs> he already is a 90-year-old. I, I am. I feel it. No. And so ultimately I did what I needed to do to gain more and more knowledge and to more formalize that education in a, in a way. I was a music major originally, originally a music major in college. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy to be here as the director of liturgy. So I'm curious, so as director of liturgy, because we know at every parish, you know, parishes have their coordinators or directors of liturgy. How does the diocesan director of liturgy fit in the picture for them? Well, the first role of, of the, uh, I know we're going to talk about deacons, but uh, no, the first role of the diocesan Yeah, you director, have 18 seconds exactly. to give us your entire job gonna, description. It's really, really to support the bishop, who's the chief liturgist of the diocese. He's responsible for how the liturgy is both celebrated and regulated. I don't want to say I'm, I'm not a police person, okay? I'm not the bishop's policeman. Uh, but the idea is, is that we want to be able to express the fullness of the celebration of the liturgy and all of its components and how the bishop can help his priests and his deacons and his people to celebrate uh, in the spirit of in, in our case, in the spirit of uh, the Second Vatican Council. I, I like that description, and, and, and I'm glad you got to put in your plug that you're not the diocesan liturgical police. There's enough of them out there. Sometimes they want me to be, right. but I just mm -hmm. I don't take the bait. No, but, yeah, <laughs> and, but, but I like that because you really do point out the fact that you're there to help us celebrate the fullness of liturgy yeah. uh, in a communal manner mm -hmm. uh, instead of making it up as we go along. So under yeah. the tutelage of the bishop, under the tutelage, so it creates of the that unity that we've been striving yeah, for the for source forever. of unity, absolutely, right. and that's that's what's important. Remember, community comes from unity. You know, without unity, the community starts to break up. Without unity, the community is just calm. Okay, we'll move on on the liter uh, on the. Uh, the jokes about words today. Um, well, we're happy to have you here today, Bruce, because we really do want to delve into this topic on the deacon at mass mm -hmm. and to get some level of understanding uh, on that. So uh, that's what's on the menu today. So Perfect. let's let's dive in. You know, to tee this up in the first dozen or so years of my life, I never saw a deacon serving at mass. And don't say because deacons weren't around then. But that was I'm true. Gonna say that. That, you know, I was afraid you were going to say because you're old, Dave. I, the reality is, I, I am old. I never saw him either. Yeah, and we dug is, a few up yeah. until yeah. I came to the diocese of Orlando. I never saw one. Wow! Wow! You know, the, wow. I, I, I was out in San Francisco. I got them far faster than Orlando, mm -hmm. apparently. Yeah. But even now, many masses are celebrated without a deacon present. So let's start with a basic question: Why bother? If mass is valid without a deacon present. Why not just go back to the good old days without a deacon cluttering up the sanctuary? So why do we have deacons in liturgy? Well, anyway? actually, the, the quote-unquote good old days, it depends what century you're talking about. And, 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 you know, but, I mean, there were deacons and subdeacons at Mass of uh, Pius you know, the, the 10th. There was a role there, okay? Um, I, I always look at it from the standpoint of if, if you look at what liturgy is first. Okay. You have to recognize that liturgy first is the action of Christ. But Christ in Christ's totality, not just the person of Christ, but the person of Christ's head and the members that kind of all are part of the one body, the mystical body of Christ. 
a phrase with regards to the mystical body of Christ. One of the great theologians, uh, Godfrey Diekman, who had said uh, that if you if you had one thing to say about what what the benefit of the Second Vatican Council, what would you want to make sure if that's the only thing you could say? And he said, "Mystical body of Christ." And so I think when we look at liturgy that way, and not something that the priest is the subject and we are the objects, mm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, mind you, holy things are happening to us. So in a sense, we are objects, right? But we're also the subjects because we offer the praise and worship to the triune God, triune God through Christ. Because we're members with them. So when you look at all that, and there's a great word, I love it, because it's just because you know there are going to be geeks out there that will like a word, like a phrase. Right. So here's okay. a shout out to the geeks. Okay. So give the it, action of Christ, word. the head and its members, each has a role to play, but the term is Christus totus in capite et corpore. Capite et corpore. So the total, whole, the whole Christ mm-hmm. in head and in body. So any image that we look at in the Eucharistic liturgy, we kind of, the, the liturgical imagination would do well to think this is a body. Mm-hmm. It's organic mm-hmm. in a way. Okay. So when you look at it from that standpoint, every body part of it, we go to the Pauline liter- literature, right? Mm-hmm. And, Paul, mm-hmm. and we're going to say, well, every part, every part has, has a role, has mm-hmm. something to do. The eye doesn't want to do what the ear wants to do, or the ear doesn't want to do what the hand wants to do, or, or whatever. They all have their job, and they do it, and they do it well. And I hate to use the word job, but role. And I think that's the important thing. So I like also the word totus, the total, because it's, it, it gives a sense of completeness. And so if all of the members together with the head are giving praise to God the Father through the Holy Spirit, you, why would you not have a deacon? Mm-hmm. You would have to have, you know, it's part of our completeness. It's part of our total. Okay. You know, I, I'd like that. And uh, the image that you're creating, uh, I think, is very profound and, and very important to ground us in our understanding of the stuff. Because too often we can just dive into the stuff and without understanding the, the theological foundation sure. for that, the understanding. It creates a sense of completeness. Uh, and I, I would completely agree with that. But observant congregants at Mass may notice that deacons perform different functions in different liturgies, right? And and in fact, I would say when you go from parish to parish, you can see deacons doing very different things. And and I've heard that uh, expressed by deacons as well, too. Well, in my parish, we dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. And at your parish, dot, dot, dot. But aren't there some roles that are specifically designated for a deacon that he should always do? And are there others that are optional? So talk a little bit Mm, about some mm. of those. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I think it's important to see the concept of there are what we might refer to as presidential functions of the liturgy and ministerial functions. Okay, so of course... Presidential, I know we use the word presidential, the, the one who presides, right. okay, mm-hmm. uh, which is the priest or the bishop mm-hmm. uh, for Eucharist. And so the idea there is that they're functions of the pre- president. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that surround the celebration, because we have varied gifts and many are required for the celebration of the liturgy, that those become ministerial functions. 
It doesn't, in terms of hierarchical, I use that term with a small age, but in terms of a hierarchy of the liturgy, what you're looking at is you're, you're saying there are ministries that serve the greater whole. Okay, So that's where the roles start. Of all of the ministerial roles, the deacon has the highest honor. Because? Because he was ordained, set oh. apart by, by the laying on of hands, only priests and deacons are set aside by the laying on of hands, of course, bishops. The idea there is that they they have a connection, first of all, to the role of service. Mm-hmm. Part of their, uh, remember, deacons, I don't want to go into history too much on it, but, you know, deacons were there before priests were. Right. I, I try not to rub that into priests. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I, no, know no. I know. <laughs> we love you, priests. You have a very critical role, but yeah, and we're, the, we're the, older than you are. And the deacon's service was in many ways connected directly to the bishop. Now, as the, the priests are, in a, in a sense, an extension of the bishop's authority, that's why his relationship with his priests is a little different than his relationship with his deacons. Mm-hmm. But they're the servant people. And you said something about a connection between what they do outside of liturgy and what comes, what happens in liturgy. There's a presumption, I think, on the part of the deacon that the deacon is intimately connected to his community. Could we turn and look at that as sort of the reason for the specific roles or functions that a deacon has in the liturgy? And also the fact that they're not presidential roles. And they're, okay, so that's so a it's clear a distinction. distinction. The mm-hmm. one thing, the beauty okay. of the body of Christ is, is that there are, there's even a phrase that says anybody who is responsible for a, a ministerial function in the liturgy should do all of but only right. that which pertains to that ministry. Right, correct. And you know, sometimes we're not real good with boundaries, you know. <laughs> you know, we might get somebody, well, gee, they need somebody to do this. And we're like, well, you know, they need, well, all right. So a, a lay person might say, I'm going to be a Eucharistic minister. I'm also going to be the lector at Mass today and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so you start running into this kind of duality of roles. And and then I think sometimes, now obviously everybody's heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. They just want to make sure that these things get done. I think primarily more of the daily mass has a little more of that that happens, you mm-hmm. know. But mm-hmm. the weekend masses, I think we've done very good about differentiation of ministries and making sure that those people are doing that which pertains to their ministry and stay out of the other stuff because it's in a sense we're being disrespectful and we're not calling forth gifts that the issue is if we don't have people to fulfill those roles Mm -hmm. where are we lax Mm -hmm. it's we're lax that we're not calling people forward right right have these gifts that we believe by our faith they have yeah and the flip side for the deacon is he is directed by the general instruction to fulfill those missing roles as well, exactly. too. So if there's no lectors to proclaim the first couple of readings, that falls That's upon right. the deacon. You're absolutely but let's right. go back specifically to his roles now. So what are some of the ones, just kind of list off, uh, and we'll talk about the whys in a minute, but just list off some of the ones that the deacon, by nature of his order, should be doing in the Mass. Well, the, there is a threefold mm-hmm. presence there. The, the ministry of, of the Word. Mm-hmm. Ministry of charity, of service and charity, and also the ministry at the altar. Okay. And those are the main things that they're responsible for. So the things that surround that, primarily in the Liturgy of the Word, is going to be in the proclamation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because it would be to the reader, you know, the instituted reader, 
who it doesn't say, if you notice in the general instruction, that when there isn't an instituted reader, it doesn't automatically say the deacon does it. It says or a lay person. Right. right. After He's that. just responsible to make sure it gets done. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, if it says, this is the interesting part, mm-hmm. if a deacon is not there, it mm-hmm. specifically says that the priest is to do the gospel. Right. Because Correct. he has the fullness of deacon. Uh, he was a deacon. Right. Yeah, and that's a good point. Okay, and the he, bishop is a deacon. He, they do it based on their, their it's that ordination order, as deacon. It's that's the whole definition of orders. Right. That's why, you know, from a functional standpoint, it's ordered. Right. So you know? you, the second leg of the stool, as you said, the, the deacon's ministry of charity, that plays out in liturgy, too, in yeah. one specific place. Um, specifically in, in, well, two ways, okay. okay. The first is at one point in the history of the church, the deacon would be responsible to gather the offering, even to the point where at some point many things were being offered. Pig, sheep, yeah. For Mm -hmm. the benefit Mm -hmm. of the community. The connection was always the connection with the community, that the deacon had the pulse of Mm -hmm. what was going on in the community. Mm -hmm. And so another way we would know that you see the deacon, one of their roles is to announce the uh, general the intercessions for the universal prayer. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's that same thing. The presumption would be that uh, when we get to the parts where we're praying for the specific community, because there's a there's a pecking not a pecking order, but a method to the universal prayer Correct. at right. mass. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, we pray for the church, we pray for uh, for governments, we pray for, but then it kind of moves down to the category of it comes home. It mm-hmm. comes to the cl- lower, the the closest denominator, which is us. What's happening in our our community? That's where the deacon would know that. Right. Would know if well, he is truly we, the minister of charity to the community. Exactly. He's that. I would know part. that the Paramore neighborhood right now is having a problem with something, and mm-hmm. I need to bring that. Right. To the to the attention, and and they're not for the attention. That's another thing. Intercessions are not advertisements, right. you know, and, and they're not Thanksgivings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sometimes we run into that problem. They're petitions. They're they're they're, mm-hmm. they're you're asking God the Father, and they're dressed. You know, they're mm-hmm. asking God mm-hmm. the Father. Yep. That's why if you know when you when you see they would know if like our local community here at St James would mm-hmm. be conscious of what's going on in the paramour section mm-hmm. or conscious in what's going on over in the uh in the, the milk district or you know right. or, or college park you know and and so they would bring those mm-hmm. things to and, them. and that's you know that is also why as an extension often it is said that the deacon should be the one writing the, the intercessions mm-hmm. because they yeah. know the needs they yeah. are that conduit yeah. the last place of course we see the deacon in the the third leg of your stool there is the liturgy of the eucharist mm-hmm. and and the deacon, of course, is an ordinary minister of, of the Eucharist as well, too, or uh, of the distribution of Holy Communion. I want to look at some of those now and really ask the question, you know, if those are the what's, and you've, you've done a really good job of establishing the connection of the liturgy mm-hmm. to the life of the people of God. Mm-hmm. So now we're in liturgy. And we've talked about some of the what's. So let's talk a little bit about the why. And some we've kind of uh, stepped into already. Mm-hmm. But, for example, one of the things that I know strikes uh, a lot of people is that, you know, the deacon seems to have priority over the priest, bishop, or even the pope to proclaim the gospel. Uh, and, and you've talked a little bit about that. But I guess the question is, I say seems to. Is it, is it true or not true? I mean, if the pope said, you know, if Deacon Joseph 
assisting Pope Francis. And, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Pope Francis says, uh, excuse me, Joe, I'm going to proclaim the gospel. Is, is that cool? Is that well, lovely and wonderful? Well, can do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> so, I, and if you could have seen the expression on Bruce's face when he said, well, the Pope can do whatever he wants. Absolutely. And, 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 uh, and in many ways, the bishop is the same way, you know. Yeah. You have to look at it from the standpoint of the, the vision of the church and the constitution on the sacred liturgy is that it is the deacon's role to proclaim right. the gospel, right. period. And, 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 and mm-hmm. that it's not a presidential function. Right. And that's that why... Very specific yeah. on that yeah, yeah, document. It, yeah, it's not a presidential function. Mm-hmm. So the only time it becomes one is because there's no deacon and it defaults to the priest. Why? Mm-hmm. Because he's a deacon too. I mean, you see, so yeah. it, it, it... And in fact, it defaults to the concelebrating priest You before, go to the concelebrant first if there is one. Either. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I saw an article where someone raised the question, what about in the Pope's daily mass? He has a bunch of other priests hanging out there, so why should he proclaim the gospel? Well, I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. always do that. Yeah, but that's yes, true. I, I yeah. think if you look at the character of, of our pope, he's a teacher. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I can see where the connection between the proclamation of the gospel intimately moves right into the homily. Right. And, you know? and some and that, priests, that needs to, and some priests I, like to do yeah, that. Yeah, and, and Diggie Joe, I don't know if you've ever run into that before. Uh, I haven't. But some deacons have told me that they're told by the the priest, hey, since I'm preaching, I'm going to proclaim the gospel. Have you ever run into I've that? I've had that. You've had Not that? often. Okay. But there are times when the priest says, you know, this, I really want to proclaim this mm-hmm. the way I want it proclaimed so that I can make my points in my homily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and again, that's maybe not the vision. Mm-hmm. Of of the liturgy from the point of of rubrics, there's another converse school of thought though on that to say the president, the priest presiding, okay, is also receiving the proclamation of the gospel, and and then their yeah. response to that becomes the homily. Right. So it's not so much that that the homily is the extension of the gospel in that it's what are what's everybody else being called to do they're all being called to hear the word hear the good news and then to somehow respond so that's yeah. what you're going to get so there's oh, two okay. ways of looking at mm-hmm. it I, like anything else if you don't have the different facets mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. your head it's much harder to to that's why I wouldn't come right down and say no that's wrong Right. You know exactly. what I mean? And yeah, you exactly. have to understand the but dynamic. The beauty of what you just said is sometimes when I'm proclaiming the gospel at a mass that Bishop Noonan's at, just his rapt attention mm-hmm. to the gospel is very profound because he really is, to use your your language, he is receiving the gospel as well, too. And, and modeling think, the behavior. Modeling mm-hmm. the behavior. Exactly. The expected behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it is, it is that sacramental language that we're, we're and diving I into. And I think it, it's legitimate to say that the priest presider, priest celebrant, bishop celebrant, the, the, the presider celebrant, they are to receive the message of Christ as well. Okay. That, that they're also there in that capacity so that's why it's not a presidential function so at this point i think we need to make a a comment about it's still the 500 pound gorilla rule right if the pastor comes to you and says i would like to do it Mm -hmm. 
then is not the time right. to get into <laughs> as, 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 I, as I often say to deacons, what part of servant don't you understand? Absolutely. Um, I want to fast forward, though, because uh, our clock is moving quickly on us again today, to this special relationship that the deacon has, um, you know, and it says in a lot of literature with the chalice. Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, even in, in, in the general instruction, it talks about that the deacon is an or- ordinary minister of the distribution of Holy Communion, um, especially... The chalice, Mm -hmm. distributing the chalice. Historically, theologically, any insights into that? There's all sorts of little anecdotes as to why. There's not an official... All that we receive from the church in most of the rubrics is especially the cup. Mm -hmm. Right, especially the cup. The deacon assists in communion, particularly with the cup. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty much giving us some indication that they see that the deacon somehow has a relationship with the cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be from a functional standpoint. I think you had mentioned it the other day when we were talking. A function, They were the person in charge of the chalices. Or mm-hmm. They were the, the person in charge of distribution of chalices. It was always the chalices, you know, and that also that they prepare it. So, you know, the wine is placed with the one drop of water. You know, and it's placed to the side. The same is not necessary for the, for the bread that's going to be consecrated. You don't have to prepare it usually. Right. You know, we're not baking. Is. We're not baking the bread at the at the altar. So though. when you look yeah. at it from that standpoint, mm-hmm. that they seem to have a relationship with the cup from very very functional reasons, mm-hmm. but also now moving into the liturgy of the Eucharist, mm-hmm. that it would seem, especially when the priest hands the uh, chalice to the deacon during the elevation at the end during the doxology right Mm -hmm. you know still that's that's Mm -hmm. the cup is attached to him Mm -hmm. there are lovely little anecdotes various um, allegories Mm -hmm. you know some equate it with the notion of service in that jesus in the garden when he was asking that the cup be that passed from him and the it was known that the angel came to serve him to allow him to to help him to drink the cup mm-hmm. you know and the angel would almost be referring to and allegorically as the deacon so who is the servant you know the person who came to serve like almost like when jesus remember at the end of his his temptation in the desert one of the temptations at the right. end and the angels mm-hmm. came mm-hmm. to wait on him so i serve. think and let's let's make sure this is clear in the record that Bruce just called deacons angels. Yes, so, I yeah. feel I felt it. You felt angelic in that moment. I appreciate that. <laughs> and then that. there was a great Rosalind Ruff, Russell movie called "The Trouble with Angels." Yes, yeah. I'll, I have I have that on videotape. I kid you not. I have that on videotape. It was in my my late sister's <laughs> library of videos. I've kept it. You know, uh, something I I just read. I hadn't heard it before. Um, is that there was actually another story, right? Mm-hmm. Of oh, yeah. that Saint Lawrence actually possessed the the true holy grail and was the keeper of that for a while mm-hmm. so all those stories though mm-hmm. to your point it's all speculation the, well, it is but yeah. yet why are they there there's something there's there. some, something there, there. there mm-hmm. why would you make up a story about saint lawrence holding the grail i mean having the grail in custody of it because obviously that there was some reason Mm -hmm. that that he would have had custody right right he had all the treasures of the church yeah yeah so you know it's it's Mm -hmm. it's i think it's you know i think we're good i think we can sometimes be good as catholics to kind of sometimes accept things for what they are and just say you know what it Mm -hmm. works and it does yeah it works now, also, I, I meant to go back because we kind of missed a couple things about okay. things like the uh, um, uh, proclamation 
Christians outside of the gospel. Yeah, well, that's like, a, like, yeah, okay. that's. I was curious. But, that was well, my we'll next. We'll go there question, too, actually. but also yeah. instructions. Yes, uh, yes, that, and, very and, important. And one of the things in the vision of the Second Vatican Council on the role of the deacon at the mass is that the uh, deacon is also a minister to help facilitate conscious and active participation. Mm-hmm. You know, not to take the place of them to do it. You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, but to bring that out from them mm-hmm. and to let them know, you know, that now hopefully it gets pretty automatic. And most of the time it is. You don't have to tell people to say, thanks be to God, mm-hmm. you know, after they say the word of the Lord or right. something like that. You don't have to kind of instruct them to do mm-hmm. that. But there are times yeah. that instructions are going to be necessary. Solemn blessings. Solemn blessings. Bow your head bow for down the blessing. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bow down for the blessing. Mm-hmm. So the, the instructions are important, but again, I think it's easy to see those as ministerial functions. Mm-hmm. See, those are announcing directions that are for the mm-hmm. people for greater participation is mm-hmm. a ministerial function. It's not the priest function. Okay. That's a nice and important lens to look through. The deacon also is the last word at the Mass. Absolutely. Dismissing the people. And is that, would you consider that of the same character and instruction or is there something more to that i think it's an instruction it's taken on a little bit more of a meaning uh with the current translation of the missile we have because uh pope benedict added a beautiful alternative to the ending where he said go glorifying the lord by your life that was something he specifically asked to be in there so it not only was a direction but it was kind of an instruction. Mm-hmm. Go and announce the gospel, for example. It's right. an instruction. You right. know, you know what I'm right. saying? This is, you know, so it's ascending. And it's it's really yeah. connects, again, for the deacon. I think it connects the deacon's liturgical function to the function of charity in the world. Absolutely. Go we're do all, we're something We're going with out it. there now. Yeah. You know, yeah. so Father Miguel, one time at St. John Vianney, used to have your entering mission territory right above mm-hmm. the door. Yes. The door yeah. of his yeah. church as mm-hmm. they were leaving. Mm-hmm. It's that same mentality. And the mm-hmm. deacon kind of announces that he facilitates yeah that. you know there's um looking at the clock i think we've we, we've burned uh, burned our time but you know there are so many other things during the liturgical year that the deacon um is called upon to do that are exceptional outside of the the normal sunday mm-hmm. liturgies you know we think of the the triduum the paschal mm-hmm. triduum yeah. um everything from the instructions to say the deacon carries the cross, or the deacon processes with the candle, or he the, announces the solemn intercessions. He an, announces the solemn intercessions, which is a major thing. That's yeah, yeah that's yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, we can't go through all of those, but is there anyone that stands out in your mind that you think really does represent sort of that diaconal character, and it really is related to you know where you say, yep. That clearly represents the spirit of what the deacon does in liturgy. I would say the two processions. I call I call them corresponding processions from from Good Friday and from uh, the Easter Vigil, because in my liturgical imagination, I see the the deacon, you know, processing with the cross, stopping three times, saying, "Behold, the wood of the cross on which hung our salvation, salvation of the world," and then corresponding flip the side and the next night he's taking the candle and raising it three times and saying the light of christ Mm -hmm. so both of those are look at instructions Mm -hmm. behold the wood of the cross invitation to adoration that's what the cross is all about invitation adoration right and then proclamation of the light which they're about to do in the exultate 
Right. So they're bringing, in a sense, the light of Christ into the room that is going to envelop the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, it should give you goosebumps. You know, and, 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 always and, does. Yeah. yeah, it always does. I would agree with that. And, 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 you know, that's that important. Look at those two, those two symbols mm-hmm. where, you know, from the Triduum, where we're talking about the passion of Christ and we're talking about the resurrection. And it's the deacon who gets to bring that message to the people. Cool. We're so lucky. I think so. I, mm-hmm. I can't believe some of the guys will say, no, I, I prefer not to do that because I don't sing. Yeah. Well, 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 you know what? You learn. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, learn. I mean, no, seriously. Yeah. And I, 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 mm-hmm. I say that to some mm-hmm. of my, my, my mm-hmm. brothers who are deacons. I say, you know, guys, it's not what you think. Mm-hmm. Don't get rid of the of the school teachers that told you you couldn't sing. Get rid of all of that. Mm-hmm. It's just, think, focus on the Lord. Right. Pray it. Pray, Pray it yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah, and there is there are a few things more moving to me than when you stand in the darkened church, having processed the the Easter candle into the sanctuary, and you look out at all the little lights that have been lit from that candle, mm-hmm. and then you have to somehow have the emotional control to start the exalted, right? Because it is that's going to be a, that's going to be a marathon for you. Yeah, uh, yeah, because you've got your work cut out for you once you get to the exalted, and especially with the incense. Uh, yeah, and not to backtrack, <laughs> but I mean just a little bit, just <laughs> mm-hmm. to say. But and then the, there are corresponding moments that are, are they're different from those two. I see those two as juxtaposed with you mm-hmm. know. And to me, it's the perfect Paschal mystery moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean mm-hmm. when you look at the two. But when you look at it from the standpoint of even the deacon assisting the priest for the washing of the feet, that's a servant role. Right. You Interesting. Know? Not called for in the general instruction, but I think it's a beautiful sign. Well, they're yeah. there with him. That's right. We accompany him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they even if it's emptying the dirty basins, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to me, that's that's like yeah. my fave. Well, that's, you know, doing mm-hmm. the dishes. Doing that's the dishes. What it, that's what we do. So for a final wrap up question, Bruce. Assuming there are any deacons listening to this podcast, uh, I hope there's at least one or two. What advice would you give them as they perform their liturgical roles? If there's anything, any words of wisdom to make deacons better servants, what would be your your advice? And Joe's over here laughing. Joe's got Joe all. has tons right. of advice. Okay. Yeah. First thing jumped in my mind. Do what John tells you. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, you know, because at least that way there, it's gonna. There's a vision and it's happening. Right. Okay. What I mean, everybody can't be chiefs. Everybody can't be mm-hmm. directors. Okay. And so I think that's an important thing. Even if you disagree, maybe. Right. That's where we're called to humility. You know what I mean? So you disagree and you Amen. go, okay, what's going to make this look as and, and work and be an experience with the whole church? What's going to make that work the best? It might not come out exactly the way mm-hmm. we want it, mm-hmm. but we always want to want to ensure the the best possible outcome. So my but my word is to to that end. I I think it's important for deacons to understand that. Back to the whole idea of subject and object, the act the liturgy is the action of Christ. We don't own it. We don't uh, control it in that way. You know, it's it's the Holy Spirit who does. Okay, so understand that. I think our most complete expressions are going to be when all of the roles are fulfilled and they're done according to what they've been called to do. Like I told you about all but only. Right. You know, you do the things, that everything that is attached to your role, but only that. Finally, uh, stick to the texts. 
Stick to the rubrics and the text. <laughs> and because what happens is we get into little habits, mm-hmm. you know, where little isms that start popping out, you know. I, like, for example, I've, I've heard, I don't want to call anybody out, but, but even sometimes I've had a discussion with priests. What is the purpose of saying the Lord be with each of you? And, right, yeah. It almost starts to take away with the unity, at the unity uh, at the unity that's been achieved at, in the introductory rites, because the first thing you start thinking, oh, he's talking just to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where mm-hmm. he's talking to us, mm-hmm. you know, and that's an important thing. Mm-hmm. Finally, I say, try to read the general instruction on the Roman Missal, particularly the parts that pertain to your ministry, but also preparation of altar, all of that kind of stuff. Read those once, once a year. Don't just read them like, oh, I read that. I don't need to look at it again. I still read them and have to, and I'm like, oh, God, I, I don't remember. I forgot about that, you right. know, or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's just so much. And I, and it's a good little examination of conscience, I call it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because you say, and, and, and be critical of yourself in that way to say, mm-hmm. has something crept in? You Some know, little is ism that, that has the to go. better? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's the other thing. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty, if you think that what, one little phrase that you're putting in is, is, oh my God, this is why the whole world is not converted yet because they haven't heard this. <laughs> I, I love this last answer because I think it took us all the way back to the beginning where you talked about your role as a director of liturgy, you know, so that we have that fullness of expression of liturgy, but in, you know, united under the bishop. Mm-hmm. And every time that any one of us tries to, reinvent a part of it on our own we're breaking that unity and we're we're thinking we're smarter than those that have created the liturgy over the centuries well we've had a very robust uh discussion today and i appreciate uh bruce i really appreciate you being with us today um you helped us advance the understanding of the deacon's role and i think both deacon joe and i learned some things as well too Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm always a little nervous focusing on the deacon's role at liturgy for two reasons. First, it focuses the congregation's actions on what the deacon is doing with a new level of scrutiny. So I hope we are not training a new generation Mm -hmm. of liturgical police. But second, because, and you did a good job of setting this up, Bruce, service at liturgy, while important, is only one-third of the ministerial service that the deacon is called to provide. The other two, of course, being the ministry of the word, teaching and evangelizing, and the very important ministry of charity, serving those in need and those who live on the margins of society. And without those two important ministries, service at liturgy for a deacon, it loses its profound meaning of connecting the source and summit of our faith, the Eucharist, to the lived experience of the everyday lives of the people of God. Well, sadly, we've reached closing time at the den, but I'm glad you dropped by. Come back in when you're hungry for hearty discussions on the diaconate and Catholic conversation. And until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey. And when you feel the urge to visit the Deacon's Den, remember, there's always a corner booth reserved just for you.